this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Week one is in the books, and boy, did it give us some interesting storylines. Week two is on deck, and we've got Shooter back in San Diego, plus a classic East Division matchup. Kubet is giving back, and so is Brandon Robinson of the Buffalo Bandits. All that more on OTCB. I am an Ladies and gentlemen, alongside Pat Gregoire, my name is Teddy Jenner, and boy, have we got an absolute beauty for you tonight. Crawford, watched there by Jackson, Subak on the far side. Gets a couple picks from Caputo, Crawford scores! Vintage Callum Crawford, working the two-man game, puts it far side on Bold, his second of the night. Squared up a 10, fun one in the season opener, long boat, he's got it! Two in a row for the Firewolves back in front. Travis Longboat out of Six Nations spent the entirety of last year on injured reserve. Across midfield comes Halls, gives it to Hazen, faking, shooting, scores! Austin Hazen with a little trickery. Rochester's now scored eight straight goals. Believe it or not, they trail at halftime, 10 to five. They're starting to open this game up. Up the floor. Alex Pace stops on the brakes. Pace fires, goes five hole and scores. Pace with Pace, absolute hockey stop there. And a beautiful little pick from his teammate. That is textbook three on two lacrosse. Cody Jamison. Jamison shots over it. What a move. Shoots, he scores. And that is a big one, Pat, for Cody Jamison. Point number 900 for one of the game's most deadly sharp shooters. And this is just vintage Cody Jamison. Stops on a diamond, look at that release. His patented twister puts Lane Rushka in a mental pretzel. He has no idea where this ball's going. What is good everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever. You get your podcast. He's Pat Gregor. Find him on Twitter at PGreggy. I am Teddy Jenner at Teddy Jenner. The show at OTCB underscore podcast. Or find us on the Instas at OTCB podcast. Week one is in the books. We're getting ready for week two. We got a ton of stuff to talk about. Joe Biden loves lacrosse. We'll get to that in positive vibes only. But Pat, let's start with some breaking news. Big trade. Coming down the pipeline on a Thursday, and maybe one we didn't see coming when you look at some of the moves the Rochester Nighthawks made in the offseason, but they've just acquired Ryan Lanchbury from the Georgia Swarm for a pair of first-round picks, a 2024 first, and then a conditional in 24 or 25. There's a lot of backstory behind that pick, so we won't get into it, but let's talk about on the surface. Ryan Lanchbury for two first-rounders. Too much or just the right amount? Oh, man. I, I think on the surface, when you look at what Lanchbury's done at the professional ranks, it's a bit of an overpay when you look at it. Mm-hmm. He hasn't really proven that he's a guy that can do what we've seen him do in, in other ranks. But when you look at his ceiling, when you when you look at what he's projected to be by many, then, yeah, you know what? Uh, then I think it's it's fair for two. There's just a lot of variables here. Uh, the law a lot and that kind of goes that kind of goes when you you draft young talent and you draft yeah. quote-unquote prospects i know he's already played a year 
But let's be honest, he's still a prospect because based off what everyone thought he was, what we saw him do in Junior B with the Oakville Rock, what we saw him do at the President's Cup, what we saw him do in Junior and NCAA, pretty much every level except the National Lacrosse League. It's been goal-scoring domination. We didn't see that with Georgia last year. Now, necessarily, I don't know if this is Georgia saying, hey, we're washing our hands clean, this guy's just not fitting in, or this is more of Rochester realizing, hey, I know we we thought our, our right side was set. We actually thought maybe we might have to do some shifting around here, but it, it sounds like Curtis Knight is is probably done for the year. Um, Stephen Keogh's not getting any younger. You know, Kyle Waters is new in the folds. Austin Hazen, probably his best game we've seen as a national lacrosse yep. leaguer. But that really solid right side that was looking great, one injury to Curtis Knight, who's kind of the, the backbone of that right side, and all chaos now ensues. Yeah, yeah it's weird. You know, they have Smith, Hazen, Waters, Keogh, and now Lanchbury on the active roster, and as you mentioned, Knight on the IR, and doesn't sound uh, too good that he's going to be coming back anytime soon. So does Keo continually catch a scratch here, or are they maybe going to bump Waters? Like you said, Hazen had his best game. Uh, Ryan Smith is an everyday guy; he's never coming out of your lineup. So it begs to believe that it's either going to be a Waters out or a Keo out to make room for Lanchbury, but. Lanchbury only had 16 points in 10 games last year in his first pro NLL season with the Swarm. So I still think there is a lot to be expected from him, but it just begs the question of what are they doing in Rochester with this offense? You're right. Keogh ain't getting any younger, but he can still bring a lot to any offense. I'm very interested to see what Mike Hazen and Dan Carey do with this roster now loaded with even more right-handed talent. Well, I think with I think you gotta assume Keo's the odd man out, but at the same time, like when you lose Knight, who yes, he he's a guy that can score the ball, he can he can be a facilitator. But let's be honest, one of the best things about his game is the crashing and banging, him playing away from the ball. Um, you you kind of lose that when you lose him and then you don't have Stephen Keogh in that lineup. I, I think it's probably more of a youth movement with Waters, Smith, Hazen, and now Lansbury. Yeah. But I, I, when you look at their lefties, when you look at, you know, Connor Fields obviously picked up where he left off. Thomas McConvey not off to the start that he was looking for, but he's not going to be held to a line of zeros again. I mean, we know what he can do. He's going to turn things around. Evan... Evans, again, guy crashing back. Like, so the fact that they look so good offensively, the fact that one injury, mind you, a massive injury, can really put this offense into question, goes to show you just how important Curtis Knight is to this offense. The fact yeah. that, that Dan Gary is willing to part ways with two first-rounders to try to bring in another young guy. And it's not like he went out and grabbed a veteran. He grabbed another unproven guy that's looking to prove something. Um, it's really interesting. I'm not saying it's a bad, bad move by any stretch. It's a risk. It's a risk that can really, really pay off. Um, but if you're Georgia, maybe you're getting into Georgia's side. I mean, unless you still yeah, have I'm curious, Yeah, that's the other part of this. What thing. does it mean for Georgia? What does this mean yeah. for Georgia? Because um, they're – 
they're kind of thin on that right side. When you think about, you know, you know, obviously Bomber's going to be an everyday forward guy. Now, you, you know, teaming him up with Lyle, great. Good little one-two punch. I thought Lanchbury was really going to progress in that offense. When we talked about them making the playoffs, you know, I said Ryan Lanchbury was going to have to have a better year too. And now he is completely gone. So, you know, are you trying to fit Miles in? Are you trying to get a Caleb Benedict in? There are some questions with this Georgia side that, you know, is an offense that has potency, but now it looks kind of fragile. Yeah, this, this is, this is, and it's not even like you look at what they did and maybe it's like, oh, maybe, maybe a Caleb Benedict has really earned his way on. And he's a guy that's now going to make the active. Well, he was a practice roster guy out of camp. And even with the move here, he's, he hasn't, you know, been upgraded. Um, right. You know, I, which again, not a knock on him. I think he's still a young guy. Maybe this is more or less an opportunity for them to say, like, I think our lefties are a lot, you know, we're actually deeper on the left side. We're going to be comfortable with rolling four lefties. Let's just go with three righties and, and give more opportunity to Lyle, to Bomberry. And what we saw from Oaks in the second half of last year, right, maybe they believe he's an everyday guy. Maybe they believe that he has found his groove and he's earned the opportunity to play every day, get more touches. And, and you know, does, does, does McIntosh maybe take some more touches? Maybe has he got the green, the green light to stay and play? Do we see more of that? Um, it, it's going to be interesting to put like how it all pans out, but you know, Como, <laughs> what they've been able to do and what, you know, what, what that organization has been able to do with developing talent Um you know, with what George has been able to do through the draft, acquiring that talent, they go out and get two more um, draft picks. And Arlotta, man, like <laughs> him, Jamie Dowick, and or I should say him and Jamie Dowick have made trades before, and, and Dowick doesn't care about first-rounders. Well, you could say the opposite. <laughs> They're, him and Keenan, maybe, Arlotta are the two yeah, that like yeah. first-round draft picks more than Love anyone. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, Oaks had – 33 points in 13 games last year. So your right side is Lyle, Bomber, and Oaks. And then your lefties, Cole, Jackson, Q, and then probably Zach Miller again uh, for the season. I don't hate it, but it just – yeah, maybe they wanted to go four and three, and they figured that Lanchbury was going to be the guy in the outs. But to give up on a number two pick after just 10 games leads me to believe there was something there that just didn't mesh. So Rochester gets another righty. They've got some issues. They got to figure out who's going to be in and out. Georgia gets a couple more first round picks. The conditional is either a 24 or a 25 conditional pick that has to do with the Rochester Halifax trade um, earlier. I think it was the Evans trade from a couple years ago. But again, that's further down the road. But very interesting way to start our Thursday here <laughs> on the podcast. I thought the biggest news was going to be Uncle Joe Biden and his comments that he made, which is an absolutely massive, massive story. But to see this trade go down on a Thursday, right before Georgia's first game, right before Rochester has their 
second game of the season uh, kind of blew the socks off everybody uh, on a Thursday. But it was week one in the National Cross League. First games are in the book. Some teams look great. Some teams not so much. Biggest takeaway for you after the first five games? For for me, I think the, the biggest takeaway when you look at like big picture, yeah. I think the unified standings are going to be just unbelievable and it's going to be great theater from from start to finish it it's it's so awesome like that like cross division and now it doesn't matter because there are no divisions but like you know that rochester calgary game just means so much more like calgary blowing that lead just means so much more Mm -hmm. if that's last year game one against a western foe you're like well you know what it's fine. We'll figure oof, like that. That was tough. Like, yeah, that, but Hey, at least now we know we got to tighten things up. Now, you know, you got to tighten things up, you, but now that stings you in the standings. Same thing for Saskatchewan for you to lay an egg in that first half against a, a Halifax team that hit the floor with their hair on fire. That could bite you in the ass late down the stretch. Yep. So I, I think my big picture takeaway is the unified standings is going to be must-see TV. Yeah. Uh, it, it's crazy. We're just looking at them. If you, if you take it for what it is, you know, four Eastern teams won, one West team won. Four West teams lost one, and then another Eastern team won in the, fact, in the Philly game. It, it's just wild. I think this is going to be an unbelievable storyline to follow all year long. But for me, the biggest takeaway is having – the ability to start on time. Mm-hmm. Saskatchewan out of the gate slow. Rochester out of the gate slow. They were able to kind of bring it back. New York out of the gate slow. Vancouver out of the gate slow. You cannot afford to fall down four or five goals early in this league. And some teams have the ability to claw their way back. We saw Albany go on a seven or eight goal run to start the second half to get them back in that game. Rochester used a huge third and fourth quarter to get them back in their game. If you don't have that ability and you don't have that tenacity to get back in the game, it could be a long night. We saw it with, uh, with Saskatchewan. We never, we, nobody would have thought that it was going to go that bad that quickly in that game. Sure. They were able to battle back after they put Lane Rushka in, I think they only lost like eight, seven, the rest of the way. But for the teams that did lose, it was generally due to a slow start or in the case of the Roughnecks and the Desert Dogs, not being able to play a full 60 minutes. And Mm -hmm. uncharacteristic for actually both those clubs, Calgary and Vegas, to not finish the deal. Vegas' whole thing is, you know, being 12-round fighters. Play from bell to bell. They didn't do it. They fell asleep after the half. They didn't come out ready in the second half. And Albany took advantage. And much like Calgary losing that game, I think Vegas is going to look back at that game and be like, you know what? Opening week, we had Albany where we wanted them. Albany went 0 for 9 Crazy. on the power play. Conversely, Vegas went 9 for 9 on the penalty kill including killing off a five-on-three in the second half, and still lost that game. 
So starting on time, whether it's in the first quarter or the start of the third quarter, you have to be ready to go. And we saw some teams that were ready to go right out of the gate and some teams that just dropped the ball. And it's going to cost them. And in these unified standings, you're going to be able to go back and look at specific games that are the reason your team's not in the playoffs. And for some of these clubs, that's not hope. It's the egg they laid in week one. All right. What else stood out to us this weekend? Well, some teams, it's the same story. And that is that goaltending just quite isn't in yet. And we talk about this being a goaltender's league. And the teams that are at the top of the NLL always seem to have the best goaltenders at the end of the year. Hartley, both Frankie and Rushka struggled. Boldy wasn't at his best, and Dunkerley all had rough starts. Is this something that teams should be concerned about? Or are these teams going to be able to just be like, you know what? A lot of new systems, new players in place, new structure, all that stuff. We can move on. Like Frankie's in a new situation. Boldy's got a new defense in front of him. Dunked as a first-year starter. Can you look past that for these teams? I think you have to. I, I, I don't think you can panic after week one, even though I just finished saying, like, every week <laughs> is 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 going to be really important. But, like, let's be honest. Like, you know, we, we talked about it. And, and you know what? Uh, you know, Hutch, Hutchcraft in, in, in Rochester, for him to come in and – and shut yeah. the door and, and play so well, get his first career victory in the National Lacrosse League. Like, good for him. That was that's awesome. But we said at the start of the year, like, yes, Connor Fields dialing back and, and being an MVP candidate or you know, putting up a hundred plus points is going to be integral for this team. We said, like, Hartley getting back to where he was and being healthy is what's going to make the big difference for Rochester. You know, you talk about the vamped Vancouver team. Well, you know, the defense looked great. Um, the lefties on offense look great. Uh, the righties, not so much. But we said same thing. You know, if Bold doesn't have to – he does not have to be phenomenal. He just has to make the saves that he needs to make. And it, it wasn't that he was bad. It was just nope. some of those outside shots from, from Crawford. And it's easier said than done when Crawford's heat stick is heating up. Um it's tough to stop, but you would have just loved one of those stops. And, and yeah. that's what they need. Um, when you look at Dunkerley, he's a young goalie. He's going to bounce back. But at the same time, we've, we've had this conversation with multiple goalies in New York. Mm-hmm. Now, they, there really isn't that much time for them to be like, oh, he'll turn it on. He'll turn it on. Like yeah. results got to come. I think the big one, though, is, is Chiliano. And, and again, that's a big concern. But this is your guy. You went out, you got him. You gave him the yeah. keys. Was it was it not a great start for him? Absolutely not. Um, is do I think he's gonna bounce back? Uh, absolutely, one hundred percent. Um, but to lose faith after one really bad start, and to be quite honest, it, that's all it was was just that start of the game. Halifax is a tough place to play. Like when the ball starts sinking, yeah. the momentum starts going, like things can go south. And we've seen that with Frankie before. Uh, on mm-hmm. the flip side, if, if if he makes a couple of those stops early on and gets in a groove, that game's completely different. Yeah, I, I, honest, I, I honestly think, yes, it's concerning for sure that all those guys had rough starts, but I, by, by no stretch of the imagination should any of them be hitting the panic button just yet. You mentioned Calum Crawford. 
uh, he went off. The old guy still got it. Um, and make this note, all players in the National Crossing, learn a lesson from Steph Charbonneau. When you got Callum Crawford or any elite shooter on the struggle bus, you got him contained. He's not doing what he does. You're silencing him. He's sleeping. He's just, he's not even there. Do not poke the bear and awake the beast. If you didn't hear, post-game comment in an interview with Chantel Chan, Callum Crawford said, I wasn't very good in the first half until somebody on their team said I was washed up. Later uh, in Panther City Media, he did mention that it was number 19 on the Vancouver Warriors, which just happens to be Steph Sharper. So we know the guilty party. Well, Callum took that to heart, and he absolutely went off. He went into his bag of tricks. He was scoring from everywhere, doing a little bit of everything, and that allowed Panther City to really gain some momentum. And when he gets rolling, that offense just really started to click, and everybody looked good. They were moving the ball, and they took advantage. But, yeah, do not awake a sleeping giant if you do not have to because it does often, more often than not, come back to bite you in the ass. He said it. He said it quite bluntly to Chantel. Um, I was awful in the first half. (laughs) And and that motivation obviously was, was good enough for him to kick it into high gear and, and dial back vintage Callum Crawford. And I mean, let, let's, let's be real here, folks. I mean, we saw what he was able to do last year. He, he is far from washed up. Um, and he proved that <laughs> he proved that in, in call him washed up <laughs> again. You know what? I mean, Callum Crawford has heard worse things on the floor. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure Steph Jarbo has said worse things on the floor it, it, when you're in the heat of battle. Uh, but you know, Callum Crawford's got a chip on his shoulder. He's got some swagger to him. He doesn't like when people say he's he's washed up or he's not one of the league's best. Like that's what that's what motivates him, um, and, and he proved it. The thing for me though, it wasn't just like Callum Crawford was like, "All right, give me the ball. I'm going to take it in the net. I'm going to you know yeah. do his crazy dives. The 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 you know those just the unique movements that he had. It was just him getting the ball, wait, and picking his spots. Like he was yeah. picking apart, bold. And, and he was just laser focused. That shot of his, he's got that that unique release where he brings it so far back. He's so tall and lanky. It's so hard to read for goalies shooting around defenders. Didn't matter where he was shooting from. It's nope. just, it, you know, it, it's like when you watch Steph Curry from from three when or Clay Thompson, when they get heat, heat up, it doesn't matter where they're shooting from. It's just automatic. That's what it felt like him. And, you know, Panther City, I was pretty hard on them. And, I, and again, you know, for... You know, maybe maybe I was a bit hard hard on them. Maybe I, you know, them not beating a only beating one team above five hundred, um, you know, doesn't go to show. I, I was impressed with them. I really was impressed yeah. with the way that they played. Sure, the offense, you know, again, Callum Crawford was phenomenal, but for me, it was the defense and and Nick Damieu that really really shone for me and, and leads me to believe that they're ready to take that next step and and prove that they can beat up more. Than, than bottom feeders. I'd love to see it still because, again, technically Vancouver, a below 500 team. I know it's an opening game. Um, let's see. I, I can't wait till they do play, you know, a Buffalo. Till they, I don't actually don't yeah. know if they're on their schedule, but until they play one of these <laughs> top be, teams. They have to be, Pat. No, you're, you're right. Yes, they have to. Yes, <laughs> you can find standings. Um, 
yeah, that's so awesome. Uh, I like to see what happens, but all indications show that, you know, they're not a team that if Callum's not putting up, you know, four or five goals, like if their offense isn't heating up, the defense at least proved to me that, 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 you know, they're building on what Steve Toll was preaching last year. Um, Before we move on, how about the audacity from rookie Ryan Sheridan? Uh, Scores his first of his career and then decides to uh, catch a ball running across, running through the middle, jumping between the legs. Um, The flair and ability that the young players come into our league have these days and just the brashness to try something like that. They've grown up in the age of watching Junior and Burns and Willie and Dane and Dixon and all these guys just throw junk and have success with it. Sure, probably 95% of the time the junk doesn't go in, but the 5% does. It's not only going to go viral. It just proves that you can do it, so you want to do it more. But I, I was thoroughly impressed with his game. Uh, that first goal he got in that went short side on Boldy from the outside and it just built his confidence. He had a massive hit on Matt Beers. W- was just a good rookie debut. That's just what Ryan Sheridan does is he can score goals. He can find you loose balls. He can make big hits. He is just a physical, gritty power forward. And, yeah, a little flair for the fancy. I don't hate it. You know, you, you got to let these guys do what feels natural. And if you want to do that, Fine. He's probably not doing it in the fourth quarter of a one-goal game, but it was just awesome to see. You know, uh, young Marshall Palace, I thought, had an incredible game. I think he's going to be a breakout player uh, this year with the Albany Fires. He, I think there was one set, and Jumbo made the comment of it on the, on the broadcast, that three sets in a row he was throwing backhand passes to guys, whether they, he was behind the net or they were cutting through the middle. The, the guys are just – comfortable with their sticks in their hands and we're starting to see the wizardry that these guys can do you know Kurtz had the backhander for his first goal um it was just it was just awesome to see the the young talent in our league continue to show up well to to go back to Sheridan uh, correct me if I'm wrong it wasn't wasn't he the one who went behind the back one hand bouncer in in uh playing for Nanaimo yeah. as a as a call-up a couple of years ago like this is a kid that's not afraid to do yeah. it. And you know what? Like again, you bring up a great point. Yeah, fourth quarter for sure. Maybe maybe uh, dial back the 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 tricks that you're you know throwing. Maybe go to your bread and butter. Maybe maybe not uh, trying to go for the highlight reel. Go for the right play. Hundred percent. But I kind of would rather my rookies not to be afraid to to get creative. Yeah, out absolutely, there and be comfortable, right? And and yeah. I think the big thing for Sheridan that I loved was him not being afraid of the rough stuff. Him throwing that yeah. big hit, him getting his nose dirty. Um, I, I really really like what I saw out of his game. I know he you know falls to number five, I guess you could say, to Panther City, uh, considering you know near the start of the the you know the draft projections, he was anywhere from like two to three, whatever it may be. Um, yeah. I think Panther City's got a, got a gem there. They've got a gem in him, and he's a guy that, you know, maybe his numbers might not be as much as, as some of the rookies this year, um, but his impact on the floor might be just as important. Uh, Philadelphia Wings got off to a hot start beating the New York Riptide. Mitch Jones drops eight. Joey Rez had five assists, but new captain, Blaze Reardon, we kind of thought maybe it was going to be Mitch, and then it's, 
you know, as it always happens, as soon as you press send on the podcast, <laughs> news comes and you find out you're completely wrong. But Blaze was named team captain, and he has four goals. Another hot start for him to a season. Can we expect big things from the best, one of the best goalies in the world, who's also a pretty damn good box player? I think that Blaze has an opportunity here to have a, a really – and his story is already really cool. But, I mean, an unbelievable special story here in, in all of sports, not just lacrosse. Um, everyone knows how good he is when it comes to the outdoor game as a goalie. You know, he's won MVPs. He's he's won championships. He's He's been phenomenal. He's got that, you know, epic goal in, in college where he goes end-to-end. Um, but his box – career not nearly as illustrious and not nearly as as no. as of uh shiny like story junior or senior a, right he he played he played junior b you know ty thompson yeah. um goes to school with him at albany he says come on let's come up to aquasazni for a summer um you know he played box across around the rochester area like his dad yeah. got him involved um you know, uh, Tim Sudan's a good family friend. So he got involved with box cross, went to a lot of Nighthawks game, but yeah, getting to that next level, he didn't, he played, played with Akasas and he loved it. You know, I think played three summers, one of founders. Um, and then, you know, he, he goes to Buffalo plays, I think it was like nine games really finds his stride. He thinks like, okay, like, you know, he's a, he's a Rochester guy, Western New York guy. Like this is, this is a dream come true playing in the national lacrosse league. They draft Josh Byrne, and he he you know sees the writing on the wall, and and he gets gets released. He ends up playing a, a winter in the Arena Lacrosse League. Like he was thinking about hanging it up, but he gets a phone call from Brad MacArthur and says, "Hey, we'd love to have you in the Arena Lacrosse League. Um, come up play for for Whitby." I didn't know this, but he was flying back and forth because he was working in California running clinics and camps yeah. in California. So he was flying up to his parents' place in Rochester, driving his car up to Peterborough, up to Oshawa, to Whitby, to Six Nations. And he was just putting his nose to the grindstone. Um, and and it was honestly, you know, hearing that story this week, obviously getting ready and he's retelling that story. And, you know, he said he's driving in snowstorms and thinking like, man, is this really worth it? And, you know, his dad tells him like, you got to do this. You got to stick with it. And it's still like a slow progression. The next, you know, next season he gets picked up. I think it was, you know, he's on the practice roster um, one year with Philadelphia. Uh, doesn't get in into the the lineup. Then plays has a fifty point season, forty point season, and we're thinking, hey, maybe that's the ceiling for plays, which is great, you know, a depth forward. Um, but then last year, just just what a season he had. Um, and I think this is this is the real Blaze Reardon that we're going to see. You know, a guy that is not afraid to go to the net, a guy that has a flair for the dramatics, for scoring great goals, and 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 his big thing is, you know, being a leader on and off the floor. Um, I, I'm really excited not only for for Blaze uh, and for his growth as a pro in the box game, but I'm I'm also excited for for Philadelphia. Like maybe just because I'm getting ready for, for the game this weekend, talking to a lot of guys, talking to Paul Day, watching the film. Like I think this team is is not only ready to take the next step and make the playoffs this year, I think they can make some noise. I really do. Yeah. Uh, adding Mitch Jones to that offense has really just completely changed the landscape of the Philadelphia Wings. And 
we always talk about the importance of goaltending and how they're going to need a heck of a year from Higgy. But I really believe that this team led by Blaze and Mitch and, and Joey Rez can, like you said, do a lot of damage. And I'm very excited to see what they can, can produce going forward because you're right. I think a lot of people have a lot of high faith in them and we're very interested to see what they do this season, in the national cross league. Um, one last thing uh, on the weekend. How ludicrous, barring, you know, the stat recount, how ludicrous was the stat line of Jake Withers? You were there firsthand, watched it in person. I was watching the first quarter and a bit before I had to go to the ring. It was just video game mode. 99s <laughs> across the board. It. It, and again, even with the you know the, the changing of the numbers, hey, it is what it is. It is still, and that's the perfect way to explain it, video game-esque. Three goals on three shots, mind you. An assist for four points. 24 loose balls. Four blocks. 29 for 33. Good enough for an 88%. Now, I don't want to make this like a, you know, face-offs matter, face-offs don't matter thing. But when you can win the face-off that consistently, when you can dominate possession, where you, when you can kill momentum, because whenever it seemed like Saskatchewan was going to get on a run, Withers just won a loose ball and slowed things down, or he took it to the net, or he got a quick offensive possession. When you can control it that much, it is next to impossible to say that face-offs, in fact, don't matter. <laughs> but what I will say is, because you can still argue it, the numbers, whatever you want to say, fine, yeah, I'll yeah, give yeah. you that. There is an argument to be made. Is it? Are you on the right side of the argument? That's a different story. <laughs> but what I will say, there is zero argument right here. Every single team, all 15 in the league, would want and do want a Jake Withers. The only yep. problem is there is only one Jake Withers on the planet. And if I know it's it's early. I know what you're gonna say. He's an MVP candidate. And yes. and and, it, and he needs to be. And even if he doesn't put up numbers like this, and it's you know they drop off a bit, that's fine. I'm I'm okay with it. I still think he's an MVP candidate because what he does at the faceoff dot is tremendous. It's it's momentum killing. It is momentum gaining. But the fact that he's added an offensive element to his game, the fact that he is still one of the best one-on-one defenders that that Halifax team has, he is so goddamn valuable to that team. So valuable. And now he's got dad strength on his side. Look at him. Like, I think <laughs> he's going to have a massive, massive year. Um, you're right. There's no way he continues to put up these kind of numbers all year long. Okay, face-up numbers, yes. I don't think those dip. Like, he, <laughs> according to this, he lost four, right? Those numbers aren't going to – that's probably – unless it's a TD game, a Nards game, or a BAP game – 
he's probably never losing more than four draws a game. <laughs> that's such a, I was going to say that's obscene, but right? it, 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 you're right. <laughs> you're okay. right. You're honestly right. He's probably not going to get three a game. But if he's going to chip in uh, an 87% faceoff percentage, he gets you a goal and assist a game because that's very feasible. He picks up 20-plus loose balls and blocks a couple shots a game. Like that is a should be an average stat line for, for Jake Withers. A goal mm-hmm. and assist a game, 20-plus Lucy's, four blocks, three blocks a game, and an 87% fade. If he continues those numbers and averages those, averages those numbers throughout the year, he will be the MVP of the league. Whether Halifax makes it to the playoffs or not, which they should, I don't see how it's not Jake Withers just because of every, because that is the true definition of most valuable. And then you you look at goal scored off of faceoffs. The amount of times that happens in a Halifax game and the amount of times it happened in that Saskatchewan game, you don't get those goals if it's not for Wiz. Whether he pinches and pops to himself or clamps and pops to Terry and they go down and score, those are momentum goals. Those are important goals. And those are valuable goals. And that is why Jake Withers will be in the conversation for MVP if he averages those stat lines across the year. And and one crazy thing about that stat line, they didn't even credit him for a cause turnover. I think oh, by my count, I had him at least one. Maybe they counted as a block instead. Yeah. But it could have been even crazier. And yes. Uh, it, it's I I I do agree that that I think he's going to be there. I do think though, with these unified standings, the MVP is going to have to come from a playoff team. I really do think so. I really do think so. You think Halifax can make the playoffs, Pat? On the spot, gun to your head. They scored seventeen goals they without did. Randy Stotts in the line. <laughs> Yeah. Whether, but hey, Tino Tino Farah said it this week, and hell must be freezing over because I've been agreeing a lot with Tino Farah lately. Just kidding. <laughs> um, He's a bum. They've 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 done this to us before. Where they they've have come out flying, and they look unbeatable, and then they hit that midseason lull. If they can avoid that lull, yeah. This is going to be a damn good lacrosse team. They're going to have their ups and downs. It's it's the National Lacrosse League. It's an 18 game season. You can't run the table. You can't you can't be this good every single night. But if they can find some sort of consistency, if they can sacrifice a little bit of that offense to be more to to be more responsible getting back in in transition, which talking to their coaching staff, that's something that they still in that second half were were not really aware of. Um they're going to be a damn good out if they can just find a little more consistency. One for six on the power play. They scored. I don't understand. I don't understand it. They, their power play was awful last year, and and it picked up where it <laughs> was. Last year. Yeah. Whatever. Let's 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 change the, the positivity around here. Let let's move forward and keep them high. Well, we uh, got to stay positive, right? We got to give them that. Positive vibes only. This fall, it was announced that lacrosse will once again be an official Olympic sport. (laughs) And the Six Nations team asked to compete under its own tribal flag. 
Today, I'm announcing my support for that request. Their ancestors invented the game. They perfected it for a millennia. Their circumstances are unique, and they should be granted an exception to feel their own team at the Olympics. All right, those are the positive words of President Joe Biden. A monumental press conference that goes beyond the world of lacrosse. And I don't know if you listened to the seven or eight minute press conference that he had and and everything that he said, because everybody in the lacrosse world is really focused around that quote. But the amount of money that the American government and the amount of efforts they are doing and giving to the indigenous people is mind blowing. And it was like, I don't know the true scope of what this really means. It just sounded like a lot of very impressive steps that they are doing down in the United States to reconcile for past errors. I would love to see what this truly means and talk to some of the indigenous guys in this league about you know the impact that the greater scope of this press conference will have from the tribal nations um, summit that they had. But... In our world, Joe Biden back in the Haudenosaunee, or as he called it, the Six Nations, which is true, backing their bid to have a team in LA 28, I think is a huge step. And a good friend of mine, Andy Watson, who's a longtime uh, ref out here in BC, I grew up with him. He's done a lot of stuff for the sport, um, tweeted out that he would love to see Justin Trudeau make a very similar statement in backing the Haudenosaunee. But... When I first heard that this was happening, I was like, oh, that's kind of a, a, a big step. And then to hear him talk and hear him say the words that he said really leads me to believe that the Olympic committees and the, all the parties involved are really trying to make this happen. And this is a massive, massive step. First and foremost, I totally agree. And I, I... – you know, I, I think it's paramount that that Lacrosse Canada and 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 the Haudenosaunee um, Nationals reach out to Justin Trudeau and, and ensure that he does the same and and has the support from from Canada and from from our government. Um, that would be really important. Um, but to go back to what we saw yesterday, or, or you know, a couple of days now that we heard from from Biden, you can put your put away your 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 political leaning, you know, left, yeah. right, red, blue, whatever it may be. Um, that's a massive moment. Moment. Um, that's that's a monumental moment. And yes, it's only an endorsement. Um, it's huge. It's huge on that stage uh, to get that support from you know from the president of the United States is is, is massive. Again, it's just a step, and these steps though. You know, you're not you're not going to get there overnight. These things need to happen. So stay patient. Um, this is not going to happen overnight. It, it's going to take some time. But what we saw yesterday was was unbelievable. Um, you know, really, really, really good job for all the folks, you know, who got in touch with the government to got her, got her across his desk and, and made mm-hmm. sure that that was that was made because uh, it was almost surreal to be honest, watching that. Yeah. And I can only imagine, yeah. and me, like you and I, like, could you imagine someone who 
is a Haudenosaunee player. Could you imagine someone who is on the the board uh, of of yeah. of the team, or you know, a, a player, a coach, whatever, a young Haudenosaunee lacrosse player who's aspiring to be an Olympian one day? To hear those words, uh, yeah. pretty remarkable. Yeah, and you could see it. They showed some of the delegates from the Six Nations that were there, and you could see the emotion in their face um, just from hearing. Like he actually sig- singled them out and had them stand up in that press conference. It just shows so how how empowered he was with not only their you know the quote unquote pitch to to make this happen, but telling their traditional stories and the passion and what the game means to them. Um, just an incredible, incredible moment, um, which ties in nicely to your positive vibe moment this weekend. Another viral clip put out by Halifax, just going along the lines of reconciliation. Yeah, the um, it's becoming a nice tradition at Halifax, the Every Child Matters game. Uh, a lot of great promotions that John Catalano and his entire team in, in Halifax are doing, but uh, a continued effort is the Every Child Matters night. And uh, on Friday, um, Kurt Styers presented uh, a pair of residential school survivors, uh, Mary Hatfield and Doreen Bernard, with traditional wooden sticks. And, uh, you know, very special moment. They were at middle floor. They raised it. And what an ovation they got yeah. from the Halifax faithful, um, you know, I know it's just a gesture, but it, but it does go a, a long, long way. I know Kurt Styers, obviously his mother um, was a, a resident residential school survivor as well. So it hits home for him. It hits for a, a home for, for a lot of people, you know, in that organization. Um, and uh, it was a really special night, uh, you know, full disclosure, uh, Pete and I were walking down from our perch uh, down to where we do our halftime hit. So we didn't know exactly what was going on. But you could hear this loud ovation and people cheering and whistling, and and then we walk out to where we are. You've been there in Halifax, the little the little nest inside the nest. We sit and you see standing ovation, and the two with the the sticks up, big smiles on their face, and they embrace each other with a hug. Like you know, you knew something was going on. And after you know talking to some of the folks, finding out that's what it was, and um. You know, there was a lot of a lot of different uh, people from the indigenous community, some chiefs, and found out actually from from Mackie Jenner um, that there was Halifax fans giving their Thunderbirds off their backs, saying like, That's you know, that, you know, in in the concourse, and and saying thank you for giving us the game of lacrosse. Like, this is the least I can do, give to you is here here is our jersey because if it wasn't for you folks, we we wouldn't have this beautiful game that we we love so much. It's such an incredible bond that sport has to a people. And it's very cool to see now that all this is being brought to light, how now connected we as lacrosse people feel with the Haudenosaunee people and the creators of the game, how that bond has now transcended cultures and peoples to really bring everybody together. It's, it's one of the greatest parts of lacrosse is the story of the game and the creation of the game and the people that help bring the game to us. It's something that I'll never, ever take for granted again. And it's just amazing to see some of these stories and the impact that it's having on the world around us. 
mental health is another issue that is a problem that spans the globe. Our next guest is just doing a little bit to help, along with the great people from Morgan's Message. Ben Robinson of the Buffalo Bandits makes his return to the floor this weekend against the Albany Firewolves, and he joins us this week on the Off the Crossbar Podcast. Coming off a 21-point season with the Buffalo Bandits that ended with a championship, Brandon Robinson joins us this week with a great initiative to help an incredible cause. B-Rob, how are you, brother? Uh, doing good. How you guys doing? Uh, we are great. Um, you got a big game coming up this weekend, season opener for your Buffalo Bandits. But I want to ask, how was the first weekend, sitting at home having to watch games? Uh it's weird. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I don't think you ever want to buy a week on week one. Um, especially for us, I think we play the last 10 weeks straight of the season. So it would have been nice to see that by week, maybe get thrown in the middle there. But, um, yeah, honestly coming out of camp, I think it's uh, not a bad thing to sit back and watch, but obviously you want to be playing. So mixed reviews, I think on the, uh, week one by week. And, and what were the, what were your takeaways after watching the first five games? Is the league look different or something stand out? Yeah, I think uh, I think with the unified standings, that obviously throws a wrench in things. Um, I mean, you know, every game means that much more. So you're seeing, you know, Albany and Vegas play each other. Where last last year that game might not mean too much. Where this year, you know, it's you know, 15 teams fighting for eight playoff spots. So um, I think that was the biggest thing seeing some of uh, some of those games with the East, Old East, Old West teams playing each other. That you know maybe we're a bit more physical and meant a little bit more. I think you could uh, see the difference there. Um, so yeah, I think that's going to be a fun part this year is uh, playing everyone at least once and getting to see some guys that, um, you know, you maybe ne- never got to play against or uh, visit some cities you never got to visit. So um, yeah, I think it's going to be a fun year. You personally, um, obviously, as Teddy mentioned, 21 points. I think if you didn't get hurt, um, would have been much, much more than that. But simply enough, how are you feeling? Health good heading out of training camp into this season here? Uh, yeah, yeah, healthy, ready to go. Uh, it was uh, a bit of a weird year last year. I think, you know, us winning, obviously great. You know, I'm happy for the organization. So many guys on that team who have, you know, Dane and Spree who have been there for, what was it, 11 years up to that point, 12 years up to that point. Um, been to the finals four or five times. Um, so, you know, happy for those guys and Bernsey and a lot of that core that's been there for, you know, five, six, seven years together to finally win. Um, and then, you know, selfishly on my own for my, myself, it was, it was tough watching, um, you know, happy to be a part of it, happy we won. Um, but I think, you know, as a player, you dream of winning and playing in the final game, not, you know, sitting in the press box. So, a little tough on that end, but at the end of the day, you know, we're champions and, you know, I'm happy for the organization and all the guys that, you know, got to experience that last year. And um, I'm excited to be back and, you know, play a big part in it this year, uh, making a run back to back. So. I know one question people always have when a team comes off of a, a championship, is there any championship hangover with this team? I don't think so. I think training camp was pretty intense, um, especially considering we have, majority of the team back aside from a couple guys. So, um, but I think, you know, JT pushes us pretty hard and, um, you know, I don't think there's any, 
any thoughts of us coming into this year, just, you know, happy with status quo. And, um, you know, I think once that training camp started, the the celebrating and the partying and all that was behind us, you know, we had a fun summer with the cup and soaking that all in. And, um, you know, I think that after that first weekend of camp, it was like, okay, back to business. And, um, you know, we want to win again. And I think, you know, everyone's gunning for us. I think everyone's been kind of gunning for Buffalo for the past few years. Um, but I think the fact that we won it last year really, um, makes that much more intense of teams wanting to come at us. Right. So, um, we know what to expect. And I, I think the core group of guys that have been here for the better part of six, seven years have been there, done that. And now it's just a matter of, you know, what's next for us. And, uh, you know, we're excited to get going this weekend in Albany. Conversely, how hungover were you? <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun summer. It was a good time. We, uh, <laughs> We had the we had the trophy Canada Day weekend. Had a little golf tournament. Had some buddies nice. and friends back to our place after. So, uh, you know, we had fun. We, it was a good time. Um, but you know, like I said, I think it's it's in the past. We got the banner raising ceremony next weekend. Obviously, we can't look past Albany, but you know, we got the banner raising. We get our championship rings that night, um, and I think that'll be the night where you know we've put it behind us. But once we get those rings and um, raise that banner, it's really that time where it's like, okay, you know what, let's move forward. So. Um, so, yeah. You mentioned can't look past Albany. I mean, they proved to you guys last year in the home opener that you can't look past. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's said in the locker room or in training camp for that game one. Um, you know, obviously you guys saw what happened last year. Maybe maybe go back to that game. How were they able to, to knock you guys off? Obviously, it, it was a minor setback for a major comeback to win that championship. Uh, but... Was there maybe maybe a little bit of that? Um, you guys were 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 not quite ready to come out, or or you took a team lightly, or took a opportunity for granted. Yeah, I think it was a kind of a combination of things. Um, obviously, you know, it was my first year in Buffalo last year, so I wasn't around the year before or you know the years prior for the championship losses. Um, but I kind of felt coming into camp last year that there was a lot of talk about that Colorado series and I don't want to say feeling sorry for ourselves, but you know, same as this year where we've got the mindset of last year's over with, we move forward. Yeah, we won. It's great. But you know, what's next? We've got the banner raising ceremony, you know, the following week against a good San Diego team. Um, so we really can't look past them. And I think we learned our lesson last year and I, you know, we're going to be ready to go this Saturday. We talk about, you know, 10 games, 21 points, you're in and out of the lineup to an injury. What's the ceiling for Brandon Robinson this year and a chance to play a full 18 games? Yeah, hopefully high. I mean, uh, I'm hoping to build off of last year. I think when I got hurt, I was really just starting to find my groove within the offense. I think the first three, four games, um, you know, trying to find my footing, get used to, you know, playing with Burnsy and Dane and some of the dynamic players we have on that offense. Um and I really felt like I was starting to find that groove and mesh with everyone. And then obviously the injury happened. So that was tough, but yeah, I think coming into this year, you know, having that familiarity with them now for the 10 games from last year and a full training camp this year, um, looking to kind of come into the gate hot and, um, just playing my game. I think, uh, you know, my game's off ball and, you know, setting picks and seals and getting other guys open, which, you know, in turn ends up getting me open um, and then just burying my chances when I do get the ball. Cause you know, 
Dane's one of the best, you know, passers in the game. He can shoot the ball. You know, he's, he draws a lot of eyes and so does Bernsey. So, um, just finding my moments of, you know, getting those guys open and letting them get their looks and get their shots, but also, um, you know, capitalizing, capitalizing when I get my opportunities. Do you ever find yourself kind of just get your feet planted in cement, just watching some of the things Josh and Dane do and, and Dehoka and Kluge? Like some of the, these guys, it truly is one of the most dynamic flamboyant offenses in the league. There's got to be a time where you just kind of like deer in the headlights watching some of the stuff these guys pull off. Yeah, yeah, and there's video evidence of it because last year within the first uh, – Four, three, four games, our video sessions were basically about me getting my ass out of the middle. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it is. I, you talk about it all the time, right? It's like, okay, shut down Dane. You know, you got Burns. You shut down Burnsy. You got Tahoka. Shut down Tahoka. You got Kluge. Shut down Kluge. You got Fraze. Shut down Fraze. You got Bucky. Shut down. Like, just goes on and on down the list. And you saw it last year, right? Like, at one point, our lefty offense was, you know, my brother Dylan, who plays defense, Mickey, mm-hmm. Ian McKay, who plays defense technically and Brad McCulley who you know was his second year in the league and we still found ways to win games right it just shows the depth that we have um and yeah but yeah that's I try not to stand still and watch them too much you know I try to watch when I'm on the bench instead but yeah there is times where they do stuff and you're just like how the hell did you just do that um yeah it's pretty it's pretty cool and I think that's the dynamic of our offense is everyone kind of knows their role and knows the job they need to do but at the end of the day we can all score. We can all set picks. We can all get through the middle of the floor. We can all, you know, find the open guy. So I think that's what makes us so lethal. This past summer, um, step behind a bench with, with Oakville. Um, I know you've been coaching, you know, with your own company, some of the younger, younger guys, but it was, you know, your first taste of, of junior. Uh, what'd you learn about yourself as a coach? Do you take in anything into the season? Do you feel, I know you, you, you're a really cerebral player. So, you know, seeing the transition to coach is not, not a surprise, but uh, you know, you and I had some conversations about the growing pains of, of coaching, but um, that Oakville team, I know you guys, uh, you know, had high expectations, obviously not what you, you expected or, or wanted, but uh, nonetheless, what was the, the first season behind a bench like? Yeah, uh, I will clear it up first. It's not my own company. It's through Leo Sturrow's company, actually, Spartan Lacrosse Academy. So uh, I worked with him in Waterloo um, when I was going to school there, and he wanted to expand out east of Toronto. So it just kind of worked out that uh, I'm kind of running Spartan East, is what we're calling it. So not my own company. It's through Leo's, but kind of running that side of it um, with, you know, Justin and Dylan out in the Durham area. So, um, but yeah, the transition to coaching was humbling. Um I think it's you try to explain things the way you see the game or I see the game, but it's, you know, you got to kind of break it down a little more, right? Cause when you're teaching kids who are 16, 17 years old and who have maybe never learned some of these things, you know, and they look at you like, what are you talking about? Um, you really got to kind of refine and break down the game to, into, you know, easy steps to kind of help, those kids learn the fundamentals and then build from there. And I think that was the hardest part for me was um, because, you know, when we were playing and talking with Dane and Josh and we're talking about plays and going over things, we're talking the same language and then bringing that to the junior kids, you know, you got to kind of have to dumb it down a little bit. So that was the toughest part for me, I think. And the other hard part was not being able to play, (laughs) 
you know, standing behind <laughs> the bench in games and drawing things up or telling, you know, guys to do stuff and they're not, they're not doing it and you just want to pull your hair. So I, I get the frustration now. Uh, I understand why my dad gave me the business when I was growing up <laughs> playing for him. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense now. Um, but it's rewarding. Like it's, you know, seeing the progress from the start of the year to the end of the year and uh, seeing guys grow into a role and gain that confidence is, is rewarding as a coach. And um, I think the biggest thing I took from this year was how much I actually missed playing last year and you know, wanted to get back this year really badly, honestly, after that coaching experience. Cause after last season, I honestly didn't know how much more I had to give with some of the injuries I've had and um, you know, the health complications that I had last year as a result of my knee surgery um, you know, I was kind of contemplating, is it worth it getting into the coaching side? And then coaching Oakville is honestly what kind of put it over the edge for me that I really wanted to, you know, get back this year, which I was grateful for. Um, and yeah, so I think it's, uh, it's funny, as you know, Patty coaching, it's, you want to coach selfishly to stay around the game and be involved and have that competitive nature still. Um, but then once you're actually there, you realize, how much you want to help these kids, you know, have the same experiences we've had, you know, throughout the game. Um, and I think that's the coolest part of it also. Let's talk about um, Morgan's message. Obviously the news came out last week. They were starting this initiative with goals for mental health. And we all know how us men need to do a better job of talking about our mental health and, and getting the story out there and not being afraid to show weakness and vulnerability. Where did this initiative come from and why do you feel it's such an important message? Kind of started last year um, after my knee injury. Um, I ended up getting blood clots in my lungs about two weeks later after the surgery. Um, and I was kind of going back to like 2018 I, when I stopped playing hockey uh, up to that point, you know, for the better part of the last eight, nine years up to 2018, I was playing hockey every day, you know, in the OHL, went to university, seeing the guys every day. And when I stopped playing hockey, it was kind of, that's when I started to have my own battle with my own mental health. I think I realized I put a lot of my issues, you know, hit it behind being an athlete. Cause you know, when I went to the rink, I didn't feel that way. It was kind of the only place I felt comfortable and um, happy for lack of a better word. So, 2018 is when that kind of started for me and then COVID really amplified that because you know not only 20 you know at least I still had lacrosse after I finished playing hockey but you know come COVID obviously everyone got shut down for everything right so that's when my own kind of battle with mental health started and then um last season I finally felt like I was turning a corner um then the injury happened and the blood clots happened and I kind of felt myself taking a step back again and I really didn't want to and I really wanted to not fall back into some of the old habits I had created for myself over the two, three years that I was kind of going through some of my own issues. Um, so I kind of told myself when I made the decision that I was coming back this year and going to, you know, kind of put my best foot forward to get healthy and be back this year. That's when it kind of sparked, you know, what can I do to help? Cause it's an issue. And I started reading some stories and came across, um, Morgan's story. I remember hearing about it when it happened. Um, so then I kind of got, reacquainted with that story and just read some other stories and you know how can I help and what can I do to kind of change the narrative on all of those things and um, it started out with doing it as just buffalo goals 
and then transitioned into, um, you know, how can I make this bigger, right? It's not just a Buffalo thing. It's not just a Western New York thing. It's, this is a, you know, it's a worldwide thing, like mental health issues spanned across the globe. Right. So they transitioned into, you know, I did the math on how much, how much we scored last year and how much I was willing to donate. And then I did the math on what a dollar or goal for the whole league would be. And it came out to roughly around the same. So after that started, reached out to Morgan's message and I've been working with them to obviously come up with the initiative and we're working on some other things throughout the year um, to kind of continue that trend. So um, that's kind of where it all started, honestly, is five years ago, kind of when I was going through my own mental health battles and reading stories on other people. And that's kind of what kept me going, honestly, was reading other stories and hearing other people talk about their own issues and realizing, you know, it's, it's normal. Like we all go through it and everyone handles it differently. And, um, but I think in the case of, you know, Morgan and so many others who lost their battle and ended up, you know, taking their own life, I think if we can you know help one person not do that. And that's kind of what Morgan's message stands for. You know, if they can help one person, that's a win. Right. And I think I have the same mindset and, um, yeah, you know, I hope it it catches on, and I hope you know it, the response has been great. I've had you know old teammates and old coaches and friends you know reach out to me and just say, hey, you know, love what you're doing. I, I've had personal issues. I've had family or friends with you know battle anxiety, depression, other mental health issues, and to kind of see the response, I think that's the whole point of it, right? Is to create those positive conversations and positive changes around it, because um, as you both know, I think in sports, it's, it's a team first mentality in team sports. And I think that's where the lines get blurred is, you know, I'm all about the team and doing what's best for the team. But if it's at the expense of your own health or your own mental health, that's where you kind of got to draw the line and be like, okay, you know, I got to help myself before I can be a good teammate. Um, so yeah, so I think that's, that's where it started and that's the direction I hope it's going to go. And, um, you know, hopefully this is kind of the start of doing something, every year and you know maybe uh doing some things in the summer golf tournaments these are all some ideas we've been talking about but um yeah it's nice to see it kind of come to fruition because it's been the better part of probably a year i've been wanting to kind of start something like this and just the timing didn't work out so uh, i'm glad to finally kind of see it come to fruition we really appreciate you telling your story and and telling morgan's message and um, you know, you being vulnerable, telling your story, hopefully that inspires other athletes, especially young athletes to, to, to realize and recognize that, um, everyone goes through these things and, and, and you're not alone. And, uh, you know, we're really happy you were able to come on today and, and tell that story. Uh, obviously you're going to be donating every single, uh, every goal, but if someone else wanted to get involved or, or help out, how, how would, uh, how can they get involved? Uh, yeah, so there's a there's a GoFundMe page. Um, I believe it's under Brandon Robinson's Goals for Mental Health, I believe is what it's under. Um, there's links on the NLL website, on uh, Morgan Message website, on the social media and that. So, um, yeah, like I said, it, for me, the donation is, you know, it's a big part of it. Obviously, it's a fundraiser, and Morgan's Message uses the money to um, you know, amplify their platform. Um, they have, you know, mental health committees and they have resource pages for uh, student athletes who become ambassadors so they can run workshops on their campuses. And um, so I think what they do with the money is great. 
Um, but for me, the main thing is, you know, just spreading the message and just like I said, creating that positive change and positive uh, conversations going forward that, you know, you can work on your own mental health and still, you know, play elite sports or go to school or do the things you want to do and that you're passionate about, right? It doesn't have to hinder you. It doesn't have to stop you from doing those things. Um, but I think, like I said, there's still that stigma around, you know, mental health and mental toughness, right? And I think the two aren't the same. They're two completely different things. And, um, you know, I think you can be mentally tough while also working on your mental health and being vulnerable and having those conversations with whoever it may be, loved ones, you know, therapists, complete strangers, honestly, like just you know, find someone you trust, find someone that, you know, you feel confident and comfortable talking to about anything. And, um, you know, that's what helped me kind of, that was the first step for me was opening up about it. And um, when you do, you realize that people don't judge you and everything that you think people are going to say doesn't happen. And it's all just kind of built up in your head. And that was kind of the first step for me in realizing, you know, I can talk about it and can go to people about it and still go play lacrosse on the weekends and enjoy my life and do the things I'm passionate about. So morgansmessage.org is the website if you want to learn more about morgan's story and you can help donate and again brandon this is an incredible uh, initiative um, myself have gone have gone through months and uh, many a day of darkness and uh, gone through knee surgeries and injuries like yourself it's it's never easy and there are those moments where life doesn't feel like it's going to get better but I hope everybody realizes and understands that these conversations really do help. So um, I know we can't thank you enough for starting this great initiative and pushing forward. I just hope you're ready to donate a lot of money because uh, <laughs> I love I love the goalie union. Uh, they're some of the greatest people in our sport, but I hope yeah. there's 5,000 goals this year and you yeah. have to get off your wallet and donate a ton of money because it is such a great cause. And I know you won't hate that. But, um, you know, w when you looked at it and you thought, holy crap, I could be given a lot of money out of my paycheck, it probably didn't mean much, but it is going to go to a, a great cause. Yeah. And uh, it's funny, you know, last weekend watching the games, I was home uh, on the bye week and watching the game with my parents and my brothers and every goal that was scored is see them look over at me and be like, oh, that's another one. Oh, that's another one. And I'm like, I know. I'm, I'm watching the game you are. I know. Um like you said, it's going to a good cause, and I think it's – I don't play lacrosse for the money. It's not like we're yeah. making a life-changing amount of money. Like So for me, it's, you know, if it's 3000 if it's 5000 if it's 6000 you know, I think the more the merrier. And um, like I said, it's going to a good cause. They're doing great things and trying to expand their network, and they've got some, you know, uh, student-athlete ambassadors on campuses all across North America – who take the resources that they provide them and, um, you know, they're sharing it on their campuses and there's at large ambassadors who are doing the same things. And um, I just think it's for a great cause. And I think it's going to be something that, you know, hopefully we can, like you said, change the dynamic around mental health and realize that it's not, it's not a weakness, it's a strength. And talking about it doesn't make you weak. Um, keeping it to yourself does honestly, I think. So um, yeah, it's for a good cause. It's, it's going to be a fun year. I think, uh, like you said, the goalies are great guys, but I hope they get lit up all year. So. <laughs> um, Patty, how about this? 
uh, we haven't talked about this at all, but we'll we'll narrow it down so we're not breaking the bank. But let's you and me and the podcast match the donation of the Buffalo Bandits team. Works for us. That so, works for me. So last year the Bandits scored two hundred fifteen. That's two hundred fifteen bucks. Whatever the Buffalo Bandits score this year, Patty and I will collectively match that for Morgan's message. How about that? That's awesome. I appreciate that, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, the least we can do for for such a great cause. Um, obviously, Albany coming up this weekend. What's what's the outlook for this Buffalo Bandits team? Uh, we talked about slow starts. We talked about not looking uh, past the easy games. And in the Unified Sands, there is no easy game. For this Buffalo Bandits squad, first game of the week, what's the feeling around the locker room? I think the guys are excited. I think we've kind of been itching to get back. Uh, like I said, that first first week by week, um, not ideal, but you know we're itching to get going. We're itching to get this thing started because, like I said, I think we're you know once we get going, I think that's the real okay. We're back, right? I think as much as training camp and start of the regular season last weekend, you know, it's like okay, last year's over. But I think once we finally get on the floor and in Albany and you know put our work boots on, it's like okay, you know time to move forward and time to really you know go back to back like that's that's the goal that's been the talk the whole time there's no talk about sitting back or what if this what if this happens it's you know we're we're we want to play in that last game again and we want to you know raise that trophy again because uh you know once you win right it's there's no better feeling and you know the guys all talked about it, the losses over the course of however many years, you know, the three losses in the five years, the guys that were all part of that, um, you know, they said that was the driving force for them to get back. But now that we've won, they said it's 10 times more, you know, motivation to get back than the losses. Um, because that feeling you get, right, it's, it's nothing can, nothing can replicate that feeling. And, um, you know, we want to do it every year, honestly. I think that's the goal of every team every year is to win. And, you know, we're real excited, especially with the group we got coming back um, to uh, get this thing rolling on Saturday. Um, Matt Vince is entering his 18th National Cross League season at the age of 41. Uh, does he show any signs of slowing down between the pipes? No. I think he could play this <laughs> if he wanted to. Uh, he's in the best shape probably of anyone in the league, most likely, um, you know, he takes care of his body, takes care of his, his mind. He, you know, he, he's one of the hardest working guys, um, I've ever been around. He's so smart. Um, you know, he knows the tendencies of every guy in the league shooters, you know, what they want to do, uh, what they look for. So, um, you know, he's the backbone of that, you know, defensive end. Um, you know, not that we have a, bad defense i think we have one of the best defenses in the league but to know that if a team does get by our defense you know you got the best goalie in the world standing back there as your last line of defense it's uh um you know it gives you a lot of confidence to kind of play your game and um know that he's back there you mentioned uh dylan and justin are out there with you what is it like having both your brothers on the floor with you in the locker room on the road all the time do you ever have to big brother them? Uh, so me and Dylan are living together right now, actually. And, uh, you know, there's a seven year age difference between us. So, um, it's fun, man. It's, it's cool. It's, uh, we actually haven't got a game together yet. 
Um, yeah. We actually just got our first practice together in during training camp. Didn't even realize that we were on the floor together at all last year, all three of us. So um, hopefully, you know, I think we're all in the lineup this weekend, hopefully. So, um, you know, it'll be cool to finally get that first game under our belt with all three of us, but yeah, it's cool. Uh, traveling every weekend together, getting to spend time together on the road, getting to you know, practice together. Like I said, me and Dylan are living in Buffalo together. Um, especially for me, you know, I moved out at 16 to go play hockey. So when I moved out, Dylan would have been nine years old. Um, so, you know, we didn't even really get to grow up together per se, um, but just with the age gap between us. So, you know, now that we're, you know, I'm 28, he's 21, Justin being 26, you know, to still be able to spend the weekends together and see each other and get to do something we love together and, you know, go from playing mini sticks in our backyard when we were eight, nine, 10, 11 years old to now playing in the, you know, best professional league our sport has to offer uh, together is pretty cool. And to, you know, share that championship last year together and for our parents, um, you know, I think they're probably the most happy not having to drive to three separate rink- rinks like they did for the majority of our lives. Um, so getting them to be able to come to Buffalo and watch all three boys at once. And, um, it's, you know, the weekends have turned into a big family event, which is pretty cool for us. So, yeah, it's, uh, I definitely think about it a lot. I think once we're done playing um, and we get a chance to kind of sit back and look back on everything, it'll be even more special. Um, but it's definitely something I try to not take for granted and enjoy every, every practice and every weekend we get to spend together because it's, uh, it's definitely pretty cool. Your mom's probably happy just that the choose sides. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that's definitely. I'm happy to be on Justin's team because all the, I think we played each other four or five times between senior and NLL. He scored his first right. senior A goal against me. He scored his first NLL goal against me, and he's five and all against me. So <laughs> I'm uh, I'm glad we're on the same team now. Um, what was Christmas like around the Robinson house when you guys were kids? Was it just a, a free for all mayhem? Yeah, a gong show. It was. Uh, yeah. Most of the time we were in hockey tournaments too. So it would be, you know, my mom's from Michigan. So we would drive to Michigan some years, spend Christmas with her family. We'd get three days there, drive home on the, you know, 25th on Christmas day after presents or stuff, or on the 26th, we'd go to a hockey tournament on the 27th. Um, you know, Dylan, of course, Dylan would be at one rink. I'd be at another rink. Justin would be at another rink and just run around big circus. Um, I don't know how my parents did it. You know, it's, still mind-blowing to me three kids they put through triple a hockey and rep lacrosse from you know six years old all the way through minor sports and so yeah it's just 12 months of the year it was a gong show in our house because it went from you know hockey season ended and basically you know had maybe a week off lacrosse season started had maybe a week off hockey season started um you know i wouldn't change it i know they wouldn't either it was uh it was definitely chaotic, but, you know, I'm glad we did it. I'm glad my parents, you know, two of the most selfless people I've ever met, you know, put their lives on hold basically for 28 years to, you know, put us through sports and let us do the things we love and we're passionate about. And, you know, like I said, now for them to sit back and see, you know, all that hard work kind of pay off and three of us playing on a championship team together, it's uh, got to be pretty rewarding for them too. Well, the championship rerun starts this weekend. Game one against the Albany Firewolves. Uh, enjoy the the van ride. Enjoy the bus ride. Uh, enjoying the capital city and have an incredible year, my friend. Uh, Morgan'smessage.org, again, is the website. If you want to 
get involved, help out Brandon and Morgan message people. Uh, an unbelievable cause. Thanks for your time, brother. Have an incredible season. Glad you're healthy. Glad you're back. And uh, we'll catch up soon. Sounds good. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate the time. Fantastic stuff from B-Rob, as always. I would love to be in the Robinson household for Christmas back <laughs> in the day because it must just have been an absolute war zone. I love the fact that he and Justin are living together. One of these days, they got to get all three brothers in a house somewhere. But um, <laughs> it's crazy to think he, he mentioned that this past week or in training camp was the first time they'd all practiced ever together on the same floor because yeah. there's such an age gap. And now it'll probably be the first time everything goes according to plan that they're all in the lineup together for the very first time. Um, just a, yeah. be a surreal moment for the Robinson family in Albany. Yeah, it's 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 crazy because I mean, if you think last year at the start of the year, Justin still was recovering from his knee surgery. So mm-hmm. when he was out, and then when he was ready to get back in, then Brandon got hurt, and so yeah. then he the, the, it was only Justin and, and Dylan playing together. And I I believe they they might have to correct me if I'm wrong. I think Justin and Dylan may have played together. Um, there might have been some overlap at some yeah. point, whether it's field lacrosse or minors being, you know, call-ups, whatnot. Um, but yeah, there is obviously an age gap between all three of them. The fact that they're going to be there, like I know, um, you know, uh, when, when Brandon was in uh, Halifax, he played against his brother um, and his parents were there. The fact yeah. that, you know, I, I had a conversation with the, with their dad after the championship and he said he was just so happy. Finally, he didn't have to worry about picking sides. He could just, you know, okay, <laughs> I can just cheer for the yeah. bandits now because all three of my boys yeah. are playing for them. So yeah. really special moment for them. Um, really happy to see the growth of, of, of those guys, not only as as players, but, uh, you know, becoming young men and, and giving back. Like all three of those guys, we already talked about the coaching that Brandon's done, but, you know, Justin and Dylan giving back to West Durham minor lacrosse this past summer mm-hmm. um, with some of their buddies that they played junior with. Like, it's really cool to see. And then of course, you know, just the great initiative along with Morgan message again, Patty and I will donate every goal scored by, by the Buffalo bandits. Brandon's going to donate a dollar for every single goal scored across the entire national cross league. So um, again, goal union, we love you, but more often than not, we hope you get scored on a lot. <laughs> I don't think um, I don't know how this weekend is going to go week two in the National Cross League six games five on Saturday one on Sunday Sunday fun day the cross is back Patty we both love that but you get Philadelphia at Toronto the TSN game of the week wings look solid and rocker already banged up how do you see this one playing out this one's tough. Like I, I'm so high on both these teams. Like I really, really, especially after this week talking to, to, to Philadelphia, but you know, seeing what they were able to do offensively and even defensively, like, you know, Paul day made it evidently clear, even like halfway through last year, like his goal was, was to get younger out the back door and they've done that. Uh, Mitch Armstrong looks like this kid is, is at advertise. He's legit Jackson Ganton. Like he could be the steal of the draft. Um, oh, yeah, you, you know, you, you add Scott Dominey in the fold, who's, who's an electric factory. Um, and then the offense we talked about already speaks for themselves. Higgins, probably one of the most underrated goalies in, in the NLL. If he can carry on his play from the summer, this is a championship, like pushing, like they're, they're on the precipice of, of putting their name, like into that conversation. Whereas you look at Toronto, they've been championship or bust the last two seasons. Like, 
how, how many times can you throw that out there? And, and talking to, to Matt Sawyer, he said, like, we're not thinking that anyway. We can't. It, it hasn't helped us in the past. What we're more focused on is the process itself. Like, if we take care of the process, if we worry about the day by day, week by week, game by game, everything else will follow. But you cannot downplay the fact that they went out and got Mark Matthews, Chris Bushy, and Dan Leonard. Clearly, what that tells me is Jamie Dowick believes that they have a championship defense, a championship caliber goalie, but the offense wasn't good enough, wasn't potent enough to stay up with the Bandits. Yeah. They go out and get those guys, and and we'll see what happens, man. Like anytime you can add an elite talent like Mark Matthews, your offense is going to be better. But you said it; they're banged up. No, no Schreiber to start the year, and now no, no Corbeil, and and no Latrell no before. All, yeah. all sounds yeah. like yeah, all year. So interesting to see. Honestly, I know it's my job. I'm supposed to say what I think is going to happen, but. Oh, you just did. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what's gonna happen. It's man. It's it's up every game. time, man. You just it, it is gonna be a great game. And you know, I think you talk about underrated goaltenders and, and Zach Higgins. I, I I love Nick Rose. Like the guy is just an all-round legend and a beauty. I just don't think he gets the recognition for being as good as he is. Agreed. He consistently has one of the top save percentages and one of the top Goals against averages in the National Cross League. He's always good for you know a ten to twelve assists a season. He's a steady presence back there. I just don't think he gets the love because he's not as flashy as some of the other goaltenders. And I think it's just the way he plays. But the way he plays has been successful his entire career. The only thing he doesn't have is an NLL championship. I I really believe this is going to be another huge year for Nick Rose. And if he can help them weather the storm of these injuries in the early part of the season. Once this team is healthy, regardless if they get Latrell back or not, once this team is healthy, I think they're going to be a juggernaut in the National Crossing. So um, I think Toronto will win it at home, even though Philadelphia is already 1-0 on the, the road this year. I think the Rock out of the gate in the hammer uh, will be a fantastic game on TSN. Make sure you tune in. It's going to be a doozy. I will uh, I I will agree with you. I think the Rock get it done. Won't get into the betting aspect of that game, but just a little teaser. There would be a wager on the Philadelphia side. I would be thinking of just leave it at that. Uh, Buffalo at Albany, uh, an I ninety upstate New York battle. The champs make their season debut. Uh, not quite banner raising year or night yet. That will happen in a couple of weeks. Can Albany build off of their big second half in Vegas? Because this was a team and an offense we thought, oh, man, they're too small. They're not going to be able to do it. They showed that they can hang. And, you know, both the rookies, Simmons and Kurtz, had great games. Um, Cash Hulk scored in transition. Dougie looked pretty solid in net. And, again, Marshall Palace was – he really stood out to me, but maybe this Albany team isn't as susceptible as we thought. Well, uh, despite what you think about their roster and, and, you know, the lack thereof of offensive prowess size, one thing you, size. the size too, you know, yeah. the, the size, um, they are, they have offensive prowess. I just don't think we just didn't think they have the size. Right. One thing you do know about a Glenn Clark-led team is they're not going to be out, outworked many nights. 
They're they're not going to get shoved around despite their size, despite their age, whatever it may be. Do I think Buffalo is going to come out here with a, a convincing wing? Yeah, I do. But I think Albany every single night, they're they're going to give you everything that they can handle. And yep. if Doug Jamison can can look like how he did the other night, if he can look like how he did with Six Nations this past summer, they're they're going to get some surprise wins. They're they're going to shock a lot of people. Um, and they might find themselves out of that that basement. Are they going to make the playoffs? Probably not, but they're they're a, a, a way better team than I think a lot of people are giving them credit for. And let's remember, one year ago, Buffalo and Albany opened the season. Mm-hmm. And what happened in that game, Patty? Yep, the Firewolves came out with a victory. You cannot, and we even talked to Brandon Robinson about it. They remember that. They're not taking this team lightly. They know they know what they can do. Uh, Colorado at Georgia, two teams who have yet to play. Colorado has won the last six matches between these two clubs. Um, Colorado just picking up Jordan Sturros um, off the free agent wire. So they add to their back end depth. Brett Dobson in year two. Obviously now no Ryan Lanchberry for year two. Do we know the status of Dylan Ward? He has not been activated yet from the pups, so so that could mean know. we could we would see Tyler Carlson probably between the pipes with Nate Fasine backing up. So that could sway some of your thoughts in that game. But these two teams have, have often played very entertaining games against each other. They just very uh, they match up quite well. No Ryan Lee, no Dylan Ward could be a huge lots for this Colorado team going up against a Georgia club that, you know, realizes that going 0-6 to start the season ain't it. And they want to be that second half team that they were last year. I I think these are two teams that recognize like what they did last year is, is not going to be a sustainable formula. And yeah, I know Colorado ended up making the, the, the finals and Georgia didn't make it at all. But what I'm saying is these two teams, from a Georgia standpoint, they started really slow. That killed them. Yes, Colorado was able to sneak into the playoffs. I just don't think that this is a year that you can just sneak into the playoffs. Like I think all eight teams, it's going to be an absolute dogfight to get in. So doesn't matter east, west, north, south. Doesn't matter who you're playing. Every single game matters, and, and this one's a massive one because, let's be honest, I think both these teams are going to be battling for a playoff spot. They're both quality quality teams, but I don't think come, you know, games 16, 17, 18, like their, their spots in the playoffs aren't going to be clinched by that. Like I think these are two teams that probably will be battling to the very end. Do both teams make the playoffs this year? Or do they both miss? So I don't know if both miss. I, I, okay, so sorry, yeah, and the other option of one and one. I think it's one and one, but I don't, don't, don't ask me who gets in. <laughs> but I, I just don't think there's enough space in, in, in to have both these teams making it in. I really don't. Rochester at Saskatchewan uh, inside the Rush Volume One is out. Uh, their sort of full season mini doc series. Uh, great first episode. Uh, you know, a little swayed in my bias because they talk with Dodzy and um, Zach Mans, who, uh, as much as I love Marshall Palace's game, I think the breakout player of the year this year 
could very well be Zach Matz. Um, he was absolutely flying in that game out in Halifax for the rush. But question, Ralphie or Hutch, Frankie or Lane, who gets the start in this game for these two teams? It's game two. You got to go with your guys. You got to go back to, to Frankie. You got to go back to yeah. Ralphie. Okay. Just checking. It was it was tough. It was tough. Don't get me wrong. Like it, it was a really, really tough watch for both those guys. But especially Frankie, he has proven time and time again he's gonna give you one of those games. And nine times out of ten, he's gonna bounce back with a with a big, big, big performance. Yeah. Ralphie's a guy that, you know, he's had injury concerns. Confidence has never been the issue. But with that being said, the last thing you want to do in your future of your franchise, your goalie is he has one little slip up and you turn your back on him. And I don't yeah. think the coaching staff is going to do that. No. And and you mentioned, you know, they brought Frankie in to be their guy. Lane's not quite ready at Lane Rushka. So, yeah, you got to go back to Frankie. I think the fact that Hutch won that game for them kind of makes me think maybe they give him a chance on the road. But – if Ralphie is going to be your guy, then yeah. If if you went into the season saying Ralphie's one, Hutch is two, and not, hey, guys, we're going to kind of go back and forth, then yeah, you have to go back to Ralphie. But if, if you're Mike Hazen and you came into the season saying, hey, you know what, game one is Ralphie's, game two is Hutch's, that's how it's going to play out, then then you stick by that. But, For sure. And I can see that happening. But in the case of Frank Chiliano, he is their guy. Frankie has to get that start. For both these clubs, the biggest thing is you have to be able to start on time. And, and knowing both Jimmy Quinlan and Mike Hazen, they will make sure that their group is ready to go. It's the rush home opener. They got a brand new flashy green, electric green turf. Who knows how it's going to look on camera? Who knows how it's going to look when there's a game being played on it? Um, but it's not the teal of, of Calgary, so that's good. But it is a very <laughs> electric green. And Ty Merrill uh, jokingly said, hey, do you remember that experimental green um, <laughs> convex yeah. ball that they tried? You'd never see that thing if they were using that in Saskatchewan. So uh, that'll be a very interesting game uh, as the Rush make their home debut. The last game on Saturday, uh, always, always, whether you're unified standings, whether you're east-west, whether it's preseason, whether it's in – I don't know, pickleball, Calgary, <laughs> San Diego, there will always be bad blood. Chris Riglieri making his home debut or making his debut as a starter for San Diego. Josh Sanderson going back to coach the team that he used to be the assistant coach for. Uh, this one has all the writings of what should be an absolute insto classic. Uh, if, if you haven't yet, head to NLO.com, their socials, take a look at Lax metrics powered by NLL. Cooper Perkins does a really good job breaking down exactly what happened with that Calgary defense. Um, yeah. We're used to being them, seeing them stout. We're used to seeing them solid, not not allowing you know teams to go on runs, especially uh, late. Um, it was an anomaly. At least I think it was an anomaly. I think that defense is going to figure things out. I think they're going to settle back in. Chris Nelbianco, yeah, sure, probably a couple of goals he's going to want back, but. That was not on him by any stretch. Still made fifty saves. Crazy, right? <laughs> like what? Yeah, 
you, you give up, what was it, 14, and you still manage 50? Like, that's crazy. It, I think we see a better defensive effort. <clears throat> but with that being said, it's like, this it is San Diego's opener. Like, they're all fired up. They were sitting on the coach last week. They want to get going. Um, they hear the noise. They hear people saying, well, this we don't care what happens in the regular season. Prove it to me in the offseason. Like, they hear that. They know. They know there's a target on their back. They, 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 they hear that all. And, uh, again, you said it. These two teams, whenever they meet, it, it is it is always a great game, and I I think this has potential to be game of the week. Yeah, I, I do too. I think I think Philly, Toronto, Calgary, San Diego, just just because they're sort of still East West rivals, or they are East West rivals, despite the unified standings, those bonds will always be there, and sure. those are going to be the games that we're going to get more often than not. There'll probably be those extra bonus games. Um, that these teams have every year. But, man, I cannot wait for that game to end Saturday night. Uh, Sunday, as I said, Sunday, fun day, Vegas and Panther City. Um, both teams, lesson learned for Vegas, got to play four quarters. And I think Panther City played a near-perfect game. So mm-hmm. it, 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 it'll be very interesting. You know, the last two expansion teams – uh, they played three times, I believe, last year. It's going to be interesting. You know, is Panther City a real deal team? Can they put another good effort together? And can Vegas play a full 12 rounds? Yeah, exactly. The 12 round boxer. That's a big, big thing for Vegas, I think, here. They gotta they gotta figure put last week, you know, watch the tape, learn from your mistakes, but forget about it. Like just just you know. The undisciplined play that can't yeah. carry on, especially with how potent, you know, the shooters are on on Panther City. They'll pick them apart. Yeah, they're that, not that, going that, nine for nine on the PK. No, and I'm sure that's the message in the locker room from from Williams. And uh, you know what? I think even Vegas can say, like, you know, some of their big guys can say we need to be better. The Rob Helliers, the, um, you know, Jack Hannis. You know, they were fine, but they got to bury when they get their opportunities. It can't it can't rely on Jackson and 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 Greer. It's it's got to be a full complete team effort offensively and I think it will. So that is your games of the week. 6 games. 5 on Friday or sorry, 5 on Saturday, 1 on Sunday. So let's try and be a little more interactive and help you have a fun weekend. Thanks for friends at Coolback. Time now for box bet. Your source for all the lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> it's time for the OTCB parlay here on Box Bets. Last week, we needed Saskin New York plus one and a half. Didn't happen. And we needed Roch plus two and a half. That did happen. But got to win all three, so that's a loss. And this week, the fans again have chosen, and they're just kind of sticking to their guns and, and playing safe. Playing it safe. They're, they're allowing Rochester, hey, you guys won outright as a two-point, two-and-a-half-point dog. So the fine folks, the OTCB faithful, whatever we're calling them, um, they decide late. Let, let's let's let them back on the parlay. But they added the Buffalo Bandits to knock off the Albany Firewolves and the Toronto Rock to beat 
the Philadelphia Wings. You put all that together. Cool bet is giving us an exclusive price at plus 295. Doesn't matter, spread. No, just three winners, keeping it easy, almost plus 300. Um, real solid return. Yeah, $20 on that. It'll win 79 bucks. Not too bad. Um, I don't hate it. I love it. Heavy Eastern flair this week. But you said you had maybe something that you liked in that Buffalo game. Oh, yes. Uh, the Toronto game. But, yes, right, I, I, I love this. So, I, I, I definitely – I think – I shouldn't say definitely. I think Toronto is going to come out with a win. They play so well in Hamilton. They're ready to roll. Um, but Philadelphia is a team that's already played this year. I think there's an opportunity that Philly, Philly might be able to get up, up and early. I think it's going to be a close game. The fact that it is a two-point spread – I'm surprised. Uh, plus two and a half, minus 143 right wow. now. Cool bet. Minus 143 is a little, little steep. It's a little steep, but um, give it give it some time. Probably when this podcast drops, the alternate lines will be out there, and you'll probably get closer to about even money. Um, Philadelphia plus one and a half. So for them to keep it within a goal, if you're feeling a little, you know, a little generous. You want to go for the two and a half at minus 143. Still not a bad little payout, a little more. Um, I just don't see how this doesn't come down to, to one or two goals. I really yeah. don't. I think Philly Philly's getting a little bit disrespected. Um, you know, 20 bucks wins you 49.28 on that minus 143. So pretty good little payout. Yeah. I just think it's going to be a close game. I think a lot of close games. So if you're thinking of strategy, Maybe maybe you bet the, the the underdogs to just to cover the spread because I think a lot of these matchups are going to be really close. Um, if I had a card, which I don't, um, I would take Philly plus. I had my on the money line plus one forty five. There you go. See, so then they definitely would cover the spread. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I would take the over of twenty two and a half in the Colorado Georgia game at minus one fifteen. And if you think Dylan Ward's not playing, get it, get on that now because as soon as that news drops, that totals that totals going to go higher. <laughs> and then Calgary plus one and a half down there in San Diego at minus one twenty two. That's a plus seven thirty three. That's a it, great. That's a great right? parlay. <laughs> I really like that. It's it's nothing out of the ordinary. It's nothing like, and you know, I like to really build these wild and audacious parlays. I'm crazy. But these are all things that that really seem feasible, and that's just what I love about the the cool bet lines and 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 what's out there is they are very accurate, but they are very enticing, and they give you great value. And the fact that if Dylan Ward isn't playing, and I definitely think that game hits the over. Philadelphia and Toronto, like you said, going to be a close game. Them on the money line at plus one forty five. Don't hate it. And Calgary and San Diego, always going to play great games. I think it's going to be close. It's it's just – it's. I just wish I could, but I can't. But you could, so you should. <laughs> Not you as in you, Pat. You as in the listener. Okay, I, I got that. But even if Dylan Ward plays, like Georgia, Colorado, like a, you know, 13-10 – game like that still cashes like i i I like it i really like your parlay i i think it's great so i mean if you think it's great if you like our 
yeah. parlay. If uh, you want to build your own parlay, if you want to bet on the futures or by the time you're listening to this or Saturday morning, you're logging on to CoolBet and looking at some player props, maybe you haven't joined CoolBet yet. Now's the time to do it, Teddy, is it not? Absolutely. So if you're looking to join in on the fun and bet on the National Lacrosse League or any sport for that matter, but if you're looking to bet on the NLL, there's no better place than Cool Bet. You hit the little green deposit button once you sign up. You'll go all the way to the bottom. You'll see bonus code on the side there. Type in OTCB and Cool Bet will double your first deposit up to $200 Canadian. And it lets the folks at Cool Bet know you came from us. You heard about Cool Bet from us. And it helps the show a little bit, doesn't it? It sure does. And, you know, if you really want to get wild, drop a quick 200 in there your first time. Cool bet doubles it. So now you're at 400. And then lay it all on the OTCB parlay. <laughs> like, you would have a great, great weekend. Responsibly, of course. Responsibly, yeah. yeah. As always, stay cool. Bet responsibly. Um, Jersey journey time before we get into our last thoughts of the day. And um, you kind of stumbled me up. Uh, with our man Mitch Blau last week because, again, stupid, stupid New York. Um, I got one for you this week. It's a guy we've had on the show. Um, so we'll see how you do. This player's NLL jersey journey started with the Albany attack. He was there for a year. Then he went to the Columbus Land Sharks for a year. Decided to... Spend a year with the Montreal Express before coming west to play for the Ottawa Rebel. Then decided sunshine was his thing. Needed four years in Arizona, but missed the snow. So spent four years in Calgary. Then decided to come home and play his final year with the Toronto Rock. Who is this player? So... Full disclosure, folks, this isn't the first time I'm seeing it. We had it in our show notes, so I had a little bit of, let's say, extra time to to think about this. And the one that jumped out to me was Arizona Sting. Okay, yeah. Arizona Sting, who played for the Arizona Sting, you know, four years there. I'm thinking, okay, Dan Dawson. Well, okay, Dan Dawson's jersey journey is a little bit different than that. Okay. He did finish in Toronto, but mm-hmm. wasn't quite it. So I'm trying to think, okay, uh, maybe maybe a Craig Kahn. And well, no, he he wrapped his career up in 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 Washington. So that's that can't be him. He did play for Toronto though, but no, that's not him. And then I'm thinking, okay, who else? Like is it two two local guys like from my area? Is it a, is it a Jonas Dirks or a Crosby? And it's no, it, it can't be those guys. Miloski, no, there's no Calgary in there. And then I was thinking, you know, I left it. I, I'll be honest, I left it. I'm like, yeah, forget <laughs> about it. And then I go in to start back going into my notes and checking things, and a name pops up on my sheet, and I see it. Is this Bruce Cod? This is Bruce Cod. Yes, I double I double check to make sure I look. I'm like, <laughs> unless there's somebody who has the exact same trajectory, this has got to be Bruce Cod. Yeah, 
Oh. Uh, the desert rat himself, Ruth <laughs> Todd, the man who I have a love-hate relationship for because he's a big um, butter tart fan. And oh, I'm yes, a that's massive Nanaimo bar fan. And he thinks the Nile bars are just trash. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we have a constant battle over that. But 2000 came into the National Cross League, five games with the attack, three goals, three assists, six points. Then went to the Land Sharks for 13 games, the Express for 16, where he had his best career year, 16 games, nine goals, 36 assists, 45 points, and 197 loose balls. Went to the Rebel for a year, then four years in the Arizona Sting organization where the Desert Rat moniker really came to fruition. Four years in Calgary where he won a championship in 09 and then finished his year with 15 games with the Toronto Rock where he is now an assistant coach. Bruce Codd is this week's NLL Jersey journey. Well done, Patrick. Well done. Thank you, thank you. Um, any other thoughts uh, before we get out of here? I know I have one, and I know you're very um, avid <laughs> about it as well. We need to shoot lists, top 50s, top 10s, top 5s, top 100, into the furthest black hole because all they are are clickbait. Mm-hmm. I can't believe – some of the rankings some of these got in both the NLL and the PLL top player voting. Isle Indoor did one. The NLL GMs and coaches did one. Laxmag did one. The PLL did one with all their coaches and GMs. And I take issue with all of them. And yes, they are a – and I've done them before. I've been in committees that have built them and they are so subjective. Because everybody's list is going to be different and everybody is going to rank players differently. That you're never, ever going to agree, which kind of makes the fun part of them because we are discussing them. But some of them have been just so bad that I don't ever want to see another one ever again. How is Dane Smith not a top player (laughs) in the PLL? What was he, 43rd? 43rd. 20 the year before that. What are we doing? I, it, it, it it makes no sense. And I don't want to just beat up on the PLL because, no. I mean, we had, we can look at ourselves, not us, you know, but us as a collective as a box lacrosse, as an NLL community can look at some of those lists that have dropped and been like, what are we doing here? But, you know, the PLL having, you know, you mentioned Dane Smith, 43, that's crazy. But how about Latrell Harris, the defending Short stick D midi of the year being ranked 41st. What? Well, there are three other short stick D guys ahead of them in their rankings. And, and I, I mean, Andy you know, was saying, yeah. And, and you know, like, I, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge fan of Ryan Tarafanko. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a massive, massive fan of Danny Logan. Yeah. Um, but they didn't win the award last year. <laughs> Why are they like 20 spots better than like they could be close, but yeah. so, uh, you know, the, yeah. you mentioned we got to look at ourselves in the mirror, you know, the, the list that the NLL put out, you know, their top five goal is their top 25 forwards, their top 10 defensemen and face like all that stuff. 
there were so many omissions and additions in those lists that had us all just scratching our heads. They're hard, like, man. They're hard Mitch to build. Jones wasn't like, up there as a top forward in the league. Like, what? What are we doing? Like, that's the thing. Like, I I understand, and at least the NLL tried. It's like, okay, like top fifty. Well, we're gonna then break it into each position. At least we can rank those players against each other. But then you're like, but like, how does Mitch Jones not end up in right. there? Like, not only is he not a top 15 forward, he is probably a top five forward, depending on after how he plays this year. He might be a top three forward. And it's like Robert Church scores 51 goals last year. He's not in the top 15. Like, I don't know. I don't want to harp on this because I finally got over it and was whatever <laughs> it is. But it is bad memories. It's just – it's craziness. It's it's silly. And, and again, you said it. All it does is clickbait. So, sure, if it if it's drums up conversation, who cares, I guess. that That is how it is. But, like, you know, talking to some players about it, you know, they, they chuckle and, and have made some jokes about it. So, um, you know, they're, they're professional athletes. So, they obviously – maybe it's motivation for themselves yeah, to, for sure. to, to prove some people wrong. But uh, – yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm quite okay if we uh, put these lists to rest and and maybe not uh, ever do these ever again, please. Uh, yeah, we don't need uh, anything else on your mind. Your Christmas tree up. Christmas tree's up. I'm facing the other way. I'm actually looking at it right now. Um, Got to plug it in because it's starting to get darker here in Ontario. But uh, yeah, excited for the Christmas season. It's you know week two of the NLL. Um, we're gonna have a little bit of a break once. Christmas happens, but uh, I'm looking forward to, to Christmas. Don't get me wrong. I'm looking forward to the week after Christmas. I go Halifax on Friday night, hop on a plane Saturday morning, head to Hamilton for an afternoon game. So the first doubleheader of the season is already uh, almost upon us. So I'm, I'm, I'm super stoked for that. Um, is that back, give a- was the Halifax game a TSN game? No, that's a .ca. So it'll be myself oh, and Pistol Rock again. Games, uh, yeah. yeah, four o'clock. So I think I don't know what. Maybe it was a scheduling thing for TSN. There was an open slot, and you know, Jamie da- Jamie Dowix. He's all hey, hey. If if we can be on on the big show, he he's going to be yeah. in Holland for that. So um, I, I yeah, I love it. I think the four p.m. time slot's great. Starts before Hockey Night in Canada on the other network uh, yeah. begins. So I think you can see some pretty decent numbers there. Um, I think it's a day before New Year's Eve, so I'm 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 stoked. But uh, I want to give a kudos though to um, TSN and for ESPN, all the crew, um, all three linear games were awesome. Yeah, um, thought it looked great, thought it sounded great. I thought the games itself were fantastic. Thought you and Brad and Chantel did an awesome job. Um, Double headers. Let's make the, let's make TSN double headers a thing more often. It, 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 it you know because you you and I obviously were involved in it. But for uh, it's got to be pretty cool that there was, you know, there was hardly enough time for for us to finish the game, go down, have our post meeting, and then walk back to our hotel. Like the game had already started, and if it wasn't for that delay at the start of the game with the Nets, <laughs> yeah. we might have missed opening faceoffs. <laughs> Oh, the joys. Sometimes you, you got everything planned out and then something goes wrong. It's the and, way. And you know what? Uh, you know, you- uh, I, full, full disclosure, like because we were at the 
Harborstone Grill at uh, the Marriott in beautiful down down Halifax. Audio wasn't on when we first watched the game, so I yeah. when I went back is when I heard heard everything after, or actually I guess probably the last quarter um, when I watched in my hotel room. So we couldn't hear what you guys were feeling, but we 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 were all laughing at the table, being like, "Oh, we've all been here before. Yeah. You, you think the rundown's all running perfect? Oh, okay. Yeah. I can't remember. Your... I can't remember what we transitioned to, but we just yeah, we just started talking right. a little bit of this, a little bit of that. All right, guys, you got to fill here. Got to <laughs> fill. <laughs> expand, expand, expand. Um, how many bowls of chowder? Let's get the. We're just going to start a tally. You had one first weekend in Halifax. How many bowls? Two. <laughs> two. It was two. Uh, had sure? one on. Yeah, it was one two. One a day? One a day. One a day. Yeah. You didn't had finish one. anybody's bowl? No, God, no. <laughs> no. But I went, I went, uh, I went the one day. Um, I guess it would have been after the game. I went fish and chips. And chow- and starter bowl of chow- chowder. First day I did a full bowl. Yeah. Second day I did the small one. So Rob Josie, thanks for the idea. Didn't do the club. I apologize, sure. but I just still did the starter. Um, the starter. I think that's. I think that might be Mike Kersey's play. I think he goes fishing yeah, the his starter play, yeah. chowder. I, I thought so. Yeah. yeah. Um, how was that that meal? By the way, what meal? Your your media meal in Vancouver. Oh, like, rib oh, night, man. Rib night on opening night. That's rib that's night, a veteran, opening night. Veteran yeah, move uh, by the staff at Rogers. Potatoes, a little salad, cornbread. Oh, it was so good. Um, Love that. I, I, did did I hear that some of the, the we're getting off track here? Is man the show? Did I hear some of the SAS guys got like food poisoning? Some of the guys were sick before the game. I didn't hear that. Oh, I actually I, did I not I hear heard that. that from somebody it was like, oh, they went and got the wrong chowder. They went to the wrong hotel chowder spot. That's but, yeah. I heard no that that's why a couple of the guys didn't play because there was a few scratches late in that game. I think for them, mm-hmm. there was a few additions, and I, I so I thought I heard somebody say that there was some food poisoning, but maybe I misheard. Uh, no, there there could that 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 could have been true. I just didn't hear that. Um, definitely wasn't from the Harborstone. No, uh, definitely but, not. Uh, one and only, one and only. Um, all right, that'll do it this week. Thanks to Brand Robinson. Again, morgansmessage.org is the website if you want to get involved. Also, head over to the NLL.com site. They have a story on it as well. Great job by Anna Taylor with that. And it got, again, great job by Brandon Robinson just helping leading the charge to make everybody know that dealing with anxiety, depression, self-consciousness, all the things that go along with mental health, it's okay to talk about it. We're all here for you. You're not alone. Always, always reach out if you feel the dark clouds starting to cave in. He's Pat Gregoire. Find him on Twitter at Pete Greggy. I am at Teddy Jenner. The show at OTCB underscore podcast and on Instagram at OTCB podcast. Enjoy the games this weekend. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other. I am-